Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Yes, that's our series, trying to get some words of wisdom for life's tough questions and dilemmas that we face. And that's where we're going this morning when we're covering children and parenting. And I don't think that there's probably any parent in here that feels 100% qualified to speak on this subject. So you got me. And um, believe me, I, I'm not, uh, I don't feel that way either. You know, we have two adult children and five grandchildren, and um, we still feel like we're trying to learn how to navigate this parenting stuff. You know, you go from parenting babies to parenting kids to parenting teenagers to parenting young adults to parenting adults, and um, you're always in that role, and it changes over the seasons, and then all of a sudden, grandkids come on the scene, and now you feel like, okay, I, now I really got a big responsibility. Um, where I messed up on the other ones, maybe I can make it do a little better on, these, on, these, on this new batch of kids, right? How many of you feel like you could just push the redo button at times? Well, I'd sure like to go back and redo that. Anybody in here like me? Oh, yeah. I, I have a whole keyboard of redo buttons I would like to do. Yeah. And Lori whispered to me during worship, she says, parenting is, deepest, is the deep, source of deepest pain sometimes. And um, kids can be. And they can also be the deepest point of frustration, right? They could make you feel so inadequate. You know, they have so much power. How many know kids have a lot of power? Sometimes they take over the whole household, and you got to stop yourself and say, wait a minute, where did that transition happen? How did that happen? I'm the parent in this house, not this two-year-old. And so you go through all this stuff. And... Um, Boy, parent, uh, kids will challenge you in so many ways. They will touch your insecurities like nothing else. They will. And um, stretch you. And, and yet, you don't realize how much you can love a child until you have one. Isn't it amazing when you have your first child and you're driving home from the hospital and you both turn around and there's a car seat that's got a child in it now. You go, wait a minute, we came with two, we're leaving with three. This is a miracle. And then it dawns on you, this is a huge responsibility. God has given this life to steward. And then fear and trembling, you're hit with. Oh my God, what did we just do? <laughs> and Lord, help us, help us. And uh, it makes you desperate for God. Uh, how many when you had kids, your prayer life went to a whole new level, right? All of a sudden, oh, this is what faith is. Okay, I think I'm getting a handle on this, right? Have you ever felt like your parenting is on trial and public opinion? You ever felt like that? I remember when our kids were small, Lori was shopping. I remember one time, our oldest, she was young, she was you know, in the cart. And I wasn't there. She just said, she had a cart full of groceries, but Carrie was just off the rails, just monster child, that, that shopping trip. And she said, there was nothing I could do. I gave up. I pulled her out of the cart, left the, left the groceries, everything, and abandoned ship. Went to the car and went home. <laughs> she says, I just, I was done. <laughs> anybody ever happened, anybody ever reached that point in your parenting where you're just waving the white flag, right? I surrender. Uh, you ever been at the restaurant with your child, children and one of them 
decides to throw out all those manners that you've ingrained in them, just toss them to the wind, and they just turn into something else. I mean, they're throwing fits, they're screaming, they're crying, they're throwing themselves under the table, knocking things over, and, and you're looking around, and you know people are just thinking, what kind of a parent are you? Can't you get your act together? What's with this Tasmanian you brought into this restaurant? I mean, what, who are you? And you just feel like, you just kind of want to, at that point, stand up and shout to everybody, hey, look, I really am a good parent. This is not the norm. Come on. But this is, happens. It happens. I remember at the airport, we were picking up our oldest daughter. <laughs> this is when her kids were real young, and her youngest boy, she was a handful. You wouldn't think it now. She's just this little angel now, but... Boy, you talk about two terrible twos. Man, that does exist. How many of you have experienced the terrible twos? It's like they turn into an uh, alien possessed thing for a season. You know, Bill Cosby said, if you give me 202-year-olds, I'll take over the world. That's what he said. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Anyway, she got off the plane and she <laughs> approaches us with her two kids and she just starts crying. Because <laughs> she said... Austin was just a monster on the plane. She just screamed the whole time. There's nothing I could do. It's just nothing. I could. She was exasperated. You know, you just feel for him because you've been there. You've been there. You, know, you have those times. There's nothing you can do. It's just the kid. You know, they're just going to do what they want to do. And, and everybody in the whole plane is at the mercy of this child. <laughs> this wild child. <laughs> and they're all thinking, can't you get this thing under control? Well, what I think often what happens uh, in those times as we, what we do is we do what a lot of parents do. We, we kind of panic and reach in and grab that tool out of the toolbox that our parents left us. Now that tool didn't work on us, but for some reason we think it's going to work on our kids somehow. But, uh, um, I, you know, I remember when I graduated from high school, my parents got me a gift. It was a large Samsonite suitcase. <laughs> Seriously. And I'm like, Thank you? What, what are you saying? <laughs> and uh, I use that suitcase a lot. <laughs> I think they were sending a message. You know, okay, your days of comfort and stuff is over. You know? um, and I heard somebody else did this. That this is kind of interesting. As a grandparent, they're a grandparent, and what they did was they gave their kid, or each kid, uh, a suitcase when their first child was born and they, was, and they were told to put that suitcase in their nursery. And uh, what they were doing was they were letting them know that from the time that your child is born, it's like packing their bags because one day they're going to look at you and pack their stuff and leave like you did me. So what are we going to put in their suitcase over the years that we stored, uh, that we had them in our care? Um, and what that does is we need to realize, I guess, that, that time is really important and it's happening really fast, super fast. Now, all of us uh, were once kids. All of us once had a parent of some sort, some type of a, somebody who parented us, guardianed us, and all that. I think that we'd all agree with this first point here that no one has the potential of influencing a child like a parent. Nobody does. Proverbs 22, 6, you know, Proverbs says a lot about parenting and especially discipline, interesting. Train up your child in the way that they should go and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Now, sometimes kids have their own will and they'll depart for a season. Hopefully they'll come back. 
But there's training involved. We know that. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod of rebuke uh, give wisdom, but the child left to himself brings shame on his mother. You can't leave them to yourself. They need parenting. They need input and influence. Proverbs 4, 1 says, hear my child the instruction of the father. Give attention and no understanding. There's instruction that needs to be imparted through the parenting process and all that. Proverbs 27 says, the righteous man walks in integrity and his child is blessed after him. Just how we live, what we see, what, what is in the dark is more important than what we see in the light, right? And as parents, walking in integrity does influence our children in some way, shape, or form. Now, if you're a dad, mom, or granddad, or grandmother, you have the unique potential and ability to influence your child, your son and daughter, in a way that actually nobody else does. That's just how it is, because you have this intuition, you have this, this love, this innate thing in you that makes you their parent, and it's a unique influence, and it's God-given. It's what God does. So a parent is not the only influence, though, in a child's life. It's not. And it's not the only influence that a child needs. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. There's a multitude of counsel that we need to draw from, from people around us. Matter of fact, this is a community of faith. And the church, this is a place with wise people, people who've had experience in parenting, who've traveled that road, who've learned a lot of things. It's really hard to parent alone, especially in the day we're living in. Uh, back when our kids were small, Lori and I really gleaned from people in the church and tried to get around them and learn from those who had older kids and they were doing it really well and they had a sense of really health and stability. Boy, I tell you what, we, we wanted to know what they were doing, what was working. And we have an opportunity to do that, learn that from each other. Not from what you're doing right, but even what you did wrong. That's important. So community faith is really important. You'll need solid, godly, influential adults. Our children need that other than just parents. Our kids need that. Outside of parents, they can, they can say the same thing. They may say it differently, but it's coming from maybe an uh, impartial influence. Um, now, I read this. This is interesting. I read where a couple did, had a practice of doing this to people that they were close to. When their friends or somebody they knew had a newborn child, they would give them a jar of marbles. And the, and the jar of marbles, it, it had about 1,000 marbles in it. And that represented the number of weeks that you have from the child, time the child is born till the child graduates. It's a lot of marbles. And the parents were supposed to take one marble out of the jar when one week passed. So it's really this giant, uh, giant uh, countdown clock is what it is. You're actually going to put a number to the weeks that you have so that you can be physically present in the life of your kids, so it kind of adds a different value to your time. Proverbs 3.2 says this, for length of days and, and long life and peace, they will add to you. Length of days is important. Psalms 90 verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So what happens is when you're actually putting a number to the weeks that you have with your kids in your home, it just becomes this visual countdown clock 
that is actually uh, kind of interesting because it's really like any other countdown clock. It, it, uh, the lower it gets, the less marbles you have in the jar, the, the, as the numbers begin to tick, tick away, the more focused you become. Because ultimately, you realize that time is super important. And if you're not careful, it's all of a sudden is going to be gone. And maybe you haven't paid the kind of attention that you should have. might be too late. For instance, if you have a ninth grader starting high school, you, you want them to get the most out of their high school years. Uh, so you understand from the time they get into ninth grade to graduation, there's about 200 weeks. And uh, you want to continue to invest in this high schooler now until they graduate. Now, people who've done this say that they realize there's a pattern to life. That what happens is the first 10 weeks uh, of your kid's high school, they're going to try to figure out, first of all, where's my locker? And then, then they're going to meet some kids and try to figure out which tribe do I belong to? That's pretty important. Old peer thing. 20 weeks in, they get their first midterm exam. They're going to Probably, it's probably going to count to about 30, 40% of their grade, grade average for the year. And then they're going to determine whether they leave Stanford on their list or take it off at that point. And then about 50 weeks in, they're going to go to the DMV and try to get their driver's license. And this is where you'll see what your faith is really like as a parent at this point. About 75 weeks in... Uh, some of these are actually a good percentage of them are maybe even going to get their first job and they're going to get their first paycheck, which, by the way, isn't going to save you a dime. <laughs> actually, it might even cost you some money. <laughs> now, about 100 weeks in, in their junior year, when that kicks in, man, all of a sudden, time starts like moving like warp speed. And they start growing facial hair and getting a real deep voice all of a sudden and scaring you. And, and all that stuff. And they might even end up dating alone in a car, and then you're going to see what your prayer life is like at that point. And then all of a sudden, everything begins to really be, begin to move fast. And about 130 weeks in, maybe about half of them are going to retake their SAT. Before you realize it, they got their cap and gown, they're walking down the aisle, they're graduating, and you at that point have lost all your marbles. Remember the marbles in the jar? They're gone at that point. The point of the exercise is actually to realize as a parent that you have, you have to kind of redefine your parenting every phase along the way. Have you noticed that? You go from this disciplinarian to, I'm a coach now, to begging God, to... Losing your marbles and then losing your mind, or one or the other. I don't know. But somewhere uh, we have to recognize that it's uh, this powerful purpose. We'll put this up here. We need to understand that when you see how much time you have left, you begin to get serious about the time that you have now. When you think we start, we're starting... Uh, Start thinking about the fact that there's this giant countdown clock hanging over us, and it makes us become more serious about this time that we have now, this really important commodity. Why is time so important? Because once you spend it, you don't get it back. It's gone. 
Next point here is when you see how much time you have left, you tend to value what happens over time much more. So we're reminded that every week matters, but you also realize that you, you can't do it all in one week. You wish you could. And so you have this collective momentum that's happening. Uh, when you add one week upon another week, upon another week, over and over and over again, it, it leaves a different kind of impact on a child. Time becomes your friend. Time becomes the platform where you, you have this opportunity to do some things. And, and the reason why, that's the reason why a musician, after practice over practice, week in and week out, 10,000 hours into this skill, playing this musical instrument, can captivate a whole audience simply because they have played over and over again. They become the seasoned musician. But it was a skill built over time, week upon week upon week. It's, it's like somebody who worked with elementary age kids for 20 years. They're really excellent at it because they have a different relationship, different kind of relationship and understanding to elementary age kids because it's been developed over time, week after week after week. Now, as parents, if you've been with your kids from infancy to graduation, all those years growing up, when they reach adults, you have a different kind of a friendship with them as adults because of all the years, all the weeks, week after week after week. There's this thing that happens over time that we don't realize. You actually start making history. No one is actually who is making history at the time, at the moment, actually knows they're making history. But it's all the stuff that you're doing, line upon line, precept upon precept, like the Bible says. And you're making an impact in your kids' lives. And it's not just one single event. It's a whole bunch of little things over time. Not just one person. Not one single event that's going to change the life of a kid or their future. It's this combination of things over time that makes a difference. As you know, I think as parents, sometimes we just want that golden ticket, you know, that if I could just get that one thing to do that one thing, say that one thing, I can have that magical statement, then I can, I can, my kids will turn out like I envisioned they should turn out, and everything would be okay, and everything would be like I dreamed, but for most parents, that's, uh, if we're really honest, we're trying to do all the right stuff, but I think we're more aware probably of all the things we're not doing right, and uh, all the things maybe we feel like we should be doing. And we might just feel like we're just trying to, you know, throw that Hail Mary, hoping that things are going to turn out all right. Now, there's a lot of parenting styles out there. Um, there's the attachment parent. There's the free-range parent. There's the authoritarian, is that how you say it? Authoritative, authoritative. Authoritative. Somebody did good out there. Parent. There's the permissive parent. There's the tiger parent. There's the copter, the, the helicopter parent. You know, hover, hover, hover. <laughs> There's all kinds of them out there. And you, you maybe you don't even know which one you are, but I'll tell you what kind of parent you really are. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the one we all are. 
And this is if you're following Jesus, you've given your life to Christ, you got God in you, you have the Holy Spirit in you, the Spirit of the living God, you have Jesus in you, then that image of the Father is happening inside you and it's coming out. And he's bleeding through your life to your kids in ways maybe you don't even realize. Don't underestimate the Spirit of God in you, Jesus in you. And there are things that you do as a parent, actually, that are marked by God, simply because we are created in his image, and his design is in us, and that causes us to do things over and over that parents should do. And when you add just a little bit of purpose, a little bit of intentionality to it, into what you're doing over time, it can really make a huge difference. You got to remind yourself, Jesus is in me. Holy Spirit, you're in me. And, and through my life and what I'm doing, you are touching my kids. I may not see it right now, but something's being deposited. There is a spiritual DNA that's being formed in the life of my kids that will chase them down and speak to them the rest of their life. They can't escape that because it's in them. Remind yourself of that when your kid has gone south on you and, and doing crazy things. Just, just remember all that stuff you've sown into them and all the prayer and all the influence. There's a spiritual DNA that's been transmitted into their life through this God-given bond that they can't escape. It will speak to them in the morning. It'll chase them through the day. It'll, it'll rest on them at night, and they'll just finally surrender. God is good. Now, if you recognize this, when you uh, take those correct things that you're doing, you, you intentionally do them over time, over and over again, you can have a different impact on the life of your children. Um, now, remember I mentioned the suitcase. Uh, suitcase kind of is an image because we, we all want to know how to pack the bags of our children through life. So when they walk away, they've understood some things that, that we don't want them to miss. They walk away with it. It's in their bag, Right? So what are you going to put in their suitcase over time? We can call it an inheritance. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 13.22 says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, not just to his children, but his grandchildren. So, you know, you might have kids, but now if you've got grandkids, your job isn't over yet. You keep at it. There's something you're depositing in their life over time, week after week, month after month. So if we were to get in huddles and say, what should we deposit in our kids? What do we want to pack their bags with? Man, we could come up with a hundred things. And there's a lot. And they're all wonderful and good. But I only have time to just focus on a few basic ones that I think are pretty important. And you can add to these. But what I guess the message I'm trying to get across today is be intentional about what you want to put in their bags. And be purposeful week after week, and trust the Holy Spirit to show you how to do that. And you're going you're gonna to make a great deposit. The first one is love over time. Now, do you know how God loves you? Think about that for a moment. Well, yeah, Jesus came and died for me. Well, I think many of us um, may answer, could answer it this way. Uh, many of you do understand God loves you because of the mess that you've been through in your life. That's why. There were some mistakes you've made, choices that you've made, and some things that happened in your life to you, and God just kept showing up. He just kept showing up. 
And here you are, and the testimony to everyone else in this room is, God loves me because he just kept coming after me through the darkest times of my life. He was just there. I mean, that's pretty convincing. That's pretty powerful. You can't argue with that. Can't argue with the testimony. And we we could all look at the Bible, and you could see that over thousands of years, God leveraged time to show us over and over again that he was pursuing a relationship with us. He wanted us to know him. He wanted us to have an intimate relationship with him. And you could see this from Genesis to Revelation, what he has done over time. God could have fixed the problem uh, in, of sin in 24 hours after Adam and Eve blew it, but he chose instead to leverage an entire story in history. He kept showing up over time, generation after generation, over and over again, so that we might, at the right moment, see Jesus. When he came on the scene, stepped onto this planet, and showed us his love. So the way we we would understand the depth of his love would be this powerful demonstration of the cross. But it happened over generation, over generation, over time. And so God leverages time so we could really understand the love that he has for us and what he did for us. And you know how to love your teenager in the same way. Your children. Through the ups and the downs and the dark times and the rough times and the good times. And you just... There, over time, love is going to put something in their suitcase and it's going to be worth. Love over time equals worth. It's a priceless inheritance that you you could put in their suitcase. It gives you a sense, it gives them actually a sense of of value. Um, You you just don't have value because you're created in God's image. You you have value because, because God pursued you and over time leveraged this platform. On this platform, he leveraged to prove himself to you, to prove to all of us that he loves us. So we all feel valued because of what Jesus did for us. And the most powerful thing you have as a grandparent, as a leader, as a coach, as a teacher, as a parent, is uh, for your kids to understand God's love and how they are loved, and that gives them a sense of deep worth by showing up in their world. Uh, You're physically present in your child's life over and over and over and over again because that does something that nothing else can. You just keep showing up. As a leader, as a parent, you just keep showing up. You keep showing up every day. You're uh, you're present in the moment physically, emotionally, mentally. And this really sends a message. You know, we can be in the same room with our kids and not be intentional, not really be there. But when we are there and we are engaged in the moment, you're showing up and you're intentional. See, that's the same message that Jesus sent when he came to earth. He stepped on this planet. He walked among us. He cared for us. He taught us. He listened to us. He empathized with us because 
when you're physically present, there's really nothing else that demonstrates worth to an individual. There's, there's something else, though, that we could put in that suitcase over time. And this is a powerful one, I believe. It's words over time. Proverbs 8, 7 and 8 says this, For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Boy, words over time. You know, the average teenager hears one word of affirmation for every seven words of criticism. Boy, think about that. How many think that's, the scales are a little off balance there? So there's a powerful opportunity we have with our words. And I think most of us understand that words over time can do something in the life of a teenager. Words have shaping power. They impact us like nothing else. Words are very powerful. You know, it, and when you look at education from a, a preschool standpoint, preschools, it, it says this, that there's been studies that have been done. It says that when preschoolers have been exposed to a certain number of words and conversations and dialogue with adults, as they enter into elementary school, they're set up simply because their brain mapping is all happening as preschoolers. Critical age, isn't it? It's been said of Mr. Rogers, I mean, oh, Mr. Rogers, you know, put on the sweater, you know, and the little train and puppets, and said that he had the ability to have a conversation with kids in such a way that then when they became adults, they remembered it. They remembered how he made them feel with his words. Boy, that's impacting. Words are so impacting. What you say matters. What you, and what you don't say matters. I mean, when, you're, when, you're, when your kids are trying to get your attention, they're trying to, because they're just, there's something going on in their life, catch them doing something right and tell them. Talk to them about it. Courage and build them up. Also, what you say does, matters as well when it comes to listening. Um, what you, as, especially as any kind of leader, um, it does matter because I guess you got to learn how to listen. This is something I had to learn how to do well with our girls growing up, and Lori helped me with this. Instead of shutting them down, I had to listen to them. You know what I'm saying? You got to listen to them. Why? Because it makes them feel valued and understood. Even if I was going to say no, at least they know they've been understood. That's huge in the life of a person. You've got to learn to, to, to develop the ability to hear what they're saying, and you have to learn how to reason uh, without powering up and getting mad and getting defensive. How we communicate our kids actually is teaching them how to navigate difficult conversations. How to uh, resolve conflict, how to listen well, um, how to reason through and think through things. It's a skill that they need to learn. And you know what? A lot of that skill in communication and listening is learned right in the home with their parents, interaction with their parents. I mean, they learn, we, they learn a lot of valuable communication skills the wrong way or the right way. And so we want to teach them the right way because communication is the key to every relationship out there, especially in your marriage. It's a big deal. 
So we have to be mindful as parents of what we're saying, what we're not saying, and how we're listening, and how we're navigating these conversations, because they're going to do it the same way. That's a big, that's a big lesson for all of us. Our words communicate faith. You know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Our faith, when our faith line up with our actions through communications, there's just a substance of faith that we live by that's communicated. Words over time equal, ultimately, direction. Direction. Give your kids a sense of direction when they... uh, when you work with them and have conversation with them, you give them a sense of safe place to talk. You affect the relationship, their moral direction, spiritual direction of their life in huge ways. Um, I, I think one of the keys that we found out growing up is we had to create space for this to happen. Lori found a way to communicate with our girls. Our oldest liked to go shopping, so they would go shopping together, and there's a space created for communication to happen naturally get into their world. Robin, our youngest, like to go to Starbucks. Go to Starbucks, and all of a sudden, you've created a space where communication then happen naturally. I remember when we were in California, I realized that Robin, our youngest, liked to go on bike rides. So we started going on bike rides together, and she just loved it, and it created space for communication. Carrie, on the other hand, basketball player, we'd go out on the driveway and shoot hoops and created that space. There's an entering into their world of interests where communication can begin to happen in a very natural way. You've got to create space for that. Here's another item. You might be, not think about this one putting in their suitcase, but it's this way. It's serving over time. Serving over time. Putting feet to their faith. Uh, a sad fact of our day, a lot of students grow up and walk away from church drop out of faith, drop out of Christianity. And not because we didn't tell them what to believe, but because they never really experienced it. Because they never really did anything with it. Because they never really, they never, they never really had an opportunity to see what actually God could do through them. If we tell our kids, you're significant and God has a plan for your life, but never give them something significant to do, then could it be that they may never feel significant? Look at Psalms 100, verse 2 and 3. Interesting verse because it says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. You have serving, presence, and he is God, all in the same verse. There's something about that, serving in his presence seems to go together. When, when our kids move into their teen years, there's this shift that seems to happen. It, they go from, okay, this is what I know, this is what I've been told, to, okay, how does this really work in my life? How's this, how do I make this faith my own? And is this really real? That's, that's okay to ask those questions and go there. I think one of the most powerful things powerful things we can do is begin to engage them in serving other people because engaging them to do things that they can accomplish builds confidence in their life. I think that's, we're really blessed here because Christine and Sonia have worked really hard to try to do this. They give our kids even an opportunity in children's church to be involved and to participate in ways and all the way through our student ministries, we're always trying to find ways to get them involved. You even see them up here. 
But I tell you, that's important. Even as parents, pushing them out a little bit to giving them opportunity to try some things and some responsibilities and let them fail doing it if we have to so they can learn their skill sets and how God wired them and how God uh, put them together and the abilities that he has sown into their life. Look, they can happen inside the church or outside the church, but man, if they never have a chance to really launch out and discover that, that sense of significance and I can accomplish something doesn't come to bear on their own life. Engaging them to serve in, in creative ways is really important. They can begin to really understand how God designed them. And they can make a contribution. They can experience what God designed them to do. Otherwise, they might miss a whole adventure in God, in his presence in a really powerful and unique way. And they remain as spectators instead of contributors. They never get in the game. They never experience what God designed them to experience. You know, one day kids are going to grow up and grow out of our programs. But I believe they will never grow up and grow out of what God did through them and when they experienced his presence. That's hard to get away from that. It's hard to run from that. How many would say amen to that? Yeah. Yeah. Why are short-term missions trips good for kids? That's one reason right there. That's, that's a powerful reason. It creates a sense of significance because I'm making a contribution. And the most powerful thing I think any church or any leader or any parent can do is give kids increased opportunities to serve and to just accomplish some things on their own. Push, kick them out of the nest a little bit. There's one more thing I'll add um, that makes, a, I think, a, a home attractive. I think it's one more thing you can put in the, seat, in the suitcase of a child. Um, and over time, week over week, time, month after month, doing these things, I think it, it could be amazing in your relationship with your child, teenager, young adults. And it's called fun over time equals connection. Fun over time. All the worship team come out as we wrap this up. Proverbs 17.22 says this, a merry heart does good like a medicine. In other words, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, right? A happy home is a healthy home. We might need to lighten up a little bit. Now, I know in homes that we have today, a lot of times husband and wife both work. Maybe one full-time one part-time or both full-time. And it's simply because of the age we live in. We're just trying to put food on the table. It's expensive. And it's unfortunate, but it's, that's how it is. So this applies to both mom and dad when you're coming home. When you're on that porch or getting ready to go through that door, if you had a tense day and you're wound up and, and on edge, consciously unstring your bow. Just <sighs> unstring it. Shake it out. Shake it out. Because the rest of the family's waiting for you. And believe me, I know how it is when you walk through that door and you're wound up and you're just on edge. And little things, you know, can cause you to bark and to snap and to cause a little kid to just kind of like, oh, I'm a bad guy. What did I do? You know, and, and, and it, I know it's stressful out there. 
I, I think maybe sometimes we're just too wired up to fix our kids, and maybe we need to be more wired up to enjoy our kids. So there's a time to relax. There's a time to shake things out because fun over time reconnects what's been disconnected. It really does. A little fun can break down the walls that maybe have been built up over time. Fun communicates all as well. I mean, have you ever messed up? Your kids ever messed up? You ever messed up with your kids? Have you ever not forgiven somebody and tried to have fun? It's hard to do, isn't it? But the thing about fun, when you enter into that place, you know, when you start laughing together a little bit and you let your guard down at dinner time, and you just have a laugh fest and you get silly and goofy and relax, what's that communicating? It's saying, you know what? Mine messed up the other day, but I'm still accepted. I'm, I'm, I'm forgiven and I'm loved and I'm part of the family and I belong and we're having fun together. And this is, this is the connection that's giving me life right now. Boy, kids need that. Teenagers need that. You know, it's an intense world for those kids, our kids. You know, it's intense out there for them. Very intense. The peer pressures, the stuff, the demands that they're under. Having to be a certain way and do a certain way. When you can come home and you feel like you can let your guard down and be who you are. You can be you. And everybody's having fun. Fun really brings, a, I, I believe, a security to families in a way that nothing else can. A merry heart does good like a medicine. This, this may be challenging for some of us here today because we're so busy and stressed out. So maybe you just got to schedule some fun into your week or your month or whatever you're doing. Amen? All right. There's a lot of stuff we can put in the bags, but that's all I got for you. And I know I'm, I'm uh, not an expert on this topic. I confess, but let's stand together and let's not forget this principle of being intentional week after week, a little bit over time. It's going to make a difference in the lives of our kids. had a thought in a picture. It's interesting. I feel like some here you may have adult children and it's real rough because of history. Things didn't go well. And um, you're wondering, what do I do with that? I sure like things to be better. And uh, something we did with our kids when they were younger, I did because <laughs> I had a habit of messing up. I would apologize a lot. I was really meant it. I think they knew it. And they're real resilient. They would bounce back and, oh yeah, it's okay, Dad. But maybe you've never had that opportunity with your adult child. The reason why I had a picture, and this is really kind of emotional, but my oldest sister, um, we called her Teetle. She, she passed away of cancer, left behind three boys and a husband. And uh, her relationship with my parents through their teen years was extremely difficult. Going through the 60s and the drug revolution and all that stuff, I mean, it was talking abortion happened and it just went on and on. It was just really rough. But she got cancer and Lori led her to the Lord before she died. So she's in heaven. Um, but I never forget. <laughs> 
I don't know if I can say this, <clears throat> but she's laying on the couch and she's just skin and bones. And my dad comes home from work and she was at my parents' house. They were taking care of her. And he unloosened his tie and he'd sit next to her and just hold her hand. There's so much, so much going on in that moment. So much tenderness and so much forgiveness and so much grace. I guess what I'm saying today is don't let time pass. It's it's precious commodity. That was the hardest thing my parents ever went through, losing her, losing her daughter. But I tell you what, they they deeply cared for her and loved her and I know apologies happened and and uh, we don't want to wait. We don't want to, to go that far. We want to take care of these things. Take care of them. If, if you know there's this place where you got to talk to your kids and they're grown up, maybe they got their own kids, then just do it. It's worth it. Go to them and say, look, I'm sorry. You know, I, I really blew it back there. I wish I could redo it. And I, it is what it is, but I'm so sorry. And I just, let's just pick up. Where we, let's just start new, fresh. And you know, people are resilient. They want that relationship with their parents. They long for that. Every kid does. You do it with your parents, even if they're not here. So don't, don't let those moments pass. Let's, let's pursue health and good relationships, even with our adult children. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word today. And I, I just thank you for your tenderness over this service today. And we all have a big task in front of us. And we're never done parenting, God, until we go to heaven and meet the ultimate wonderful parent, Father God. And so I just pray you'll help us through this journey, God, to do it well and to utilize the platform of time that you've given us strategically to bring life to our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.